Welcome again to Abounding Love Podcast. My name is Dave Nelson. Going through the book of Acts, we find ourselves today at Acts chapter 10. So please grab your Bibles if you're able to do so and open them up to Acts chapter 10. Uh, Once again, I really hope that you can follow along in the Bible because it's important that uh, you read along with us and you study along with us and you listen to what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It's also important that you're in the Word of God, that you don't just take my word for what's being said or whatever. But once again, this is just a very simplistic Bible study, very practical Bible study. Uh, It's just the way the Holy Spirit speaks to me is... As I study through the Bible, I'm just sharing that with you on this podcast. But uh, here again, your walk with the Lord has nothing to do with me or any other man. Your walk with the Lord has to do with you and His Holy Spirit working in you and through you. So Acts chapter 10, we'll go ahead and begin in verse 1. Okay, it says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. Now, remember again as we go through this that I'm reading from the New King James Version. Your version might say Italian band or something different there. But a centurion was in the Roman army, and he was in charge of about a 100 men. And every centurion mentioned in the New Testament is spoken of in a favorable way. Um, and what I'd like to do is just kind of, you know, we do this. We, we jump all over sometimes when we're studying through the Bible, but it's important that you compare Scripture with Scripture and, and you study the whole counsel of the Word of God. But just kind of as I mentioned here, these centur- this, uh, this particular centurion, Cornelius, let's go ahead and take a look and a couple other centurions. Turn to Luke chapter 7. Keep your finger here in Acts chapter 10 because we'll be coming right back to it. But let's go ahead and look at Luke chapter 7. So Luke is one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, right before the book of John. And uh, we'll go ahead and we'll look at verse 1. We'll start reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one For whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with him, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority and having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and he turned around and he said to the crowd that followed him, 
I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So here we see Jesus marveling at the faith of this centurion. This man knew that Jesus had all power. I think it's awesome, too, that this man cared so much about his servant being healed that he would seek out Jesus for help. But initially, you see that it was other people that cared about the centurion that sought out Jesus on behalf of the centurion. And the centurion said, hey, I wasn't even going to seek you out because I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof. See, this man truly had a heart of faith. He was a humble man, and he had a heart of love as well. Now let's look at another centurion. Turn to Matthew chapter 27. So you're in the book of Luke, so go to the left toward the front of your Bible, the gospel, uh, Matthew chapter 27. And uh, let's start reading... Oh, at about verse 50. Okay, Jesus is hanging on the cross to set the scene. Jesus is hanging on the cross and it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. So we see here another statement of faith. From a centurion. I don't know what it is about those guys, but they were sure good role models. Now, flipping back to Acts chapter 10, we see another great centurion named Cornelius, with great things being said about him as well. Look at verse 2 of Acts chapter 10. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. So this man, Cornelius, pretty impressive man. He's in the word of God. He's in the Bible. He reads it. He's a devout man who reverences God along with his whole house. He is a generous, giving man that prays to God always, and he has a vision where an angel speaks to him. It sounds like this guy's got it all together. You know, we need to go on and find out more about this guy, and we will as we study through here the rest of this chapter, but let's read verse 4. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. So we know too that this man's prayers were heard. What more does this guy need? Is this guy really lacking anything? Well, let's read on. Now send men to Joppa. This is the angel speaking to Cornelius in the vision. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. 
He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Okay, so an angel appears to Cornelius and tells him that his prayers have been heard, but in order for Cornelius to find out what else he needs, he will need to speak to Peter. And we'll touch on that subject a little bit later. But the point here is that even as a devout of a man as Cornelius was, he still needed to know more. There was something missing. Once he hears from the angel, though, he doesn't hesitate at all. Look at verses 7 and 8. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. You see, in these two verses, I get another insight into the heart of Cornelius. Notice that he just, you know, it's not like he just, um, he didn't tell them, go away, you know, go do what I'm telling you to do. And he did, and not give them an explanation. He was a patient man. And he explained to his men what has happened and why they are taking this trip to Joppa. He doesn't have an attitude of, just do what I told you, you're my servants. That was not his character. At this point, the story will shift, though, to what is happening with Peter, okay? So we're going to come back to Cornelius, but for now we're going to shift to what's going on with Peter. Verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So it's lunchtime, and Peter decides to go spend some time in prayer while lunch is being prepared. You know, we should be this diligent when it comes to prayer. Cornelius was devout. He prayed always. Peter, we see in this chapter, he's taken advantage of some spare time and he uses it to go and pray. You know, it reminds me of the old hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer, the words of that hymn say. It goes on to say, uh, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So Peter, though, he's being diligent, taking time to pray. He falls into a trance. And what happens? Verse 11. And he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed you must not call common. I'm sorry, I think I read verse 14 wrong, but Peter said, no, not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. A 
I just want to correct that there. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. So at this point, Peter has no idea what this vision means. But the Lord is going to give him the answer immediately. But the answer is not going to be spoken to him, but rather played out to him in real life. Oftentimes we look for the word to speak to us, or excuse me, for the Lord to speak to us in an audible voice and give us a sign of some sort. But in many, can, in many cases, the answer we need is being played out in real life right in front of our eyes. And as we read on now, we'll see what this vision of Peter's meant. Verse 17, now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. See those words there in verse 20, doubting nothing. In the Greek, they're words that mean to make no distinction. In other words, the Lord is telling Peter not to judge who these men are because the Lord is working out some prejudice that's in Peter. So in this chapter, we see the Lord speaking through an angel, uh, you know, giving a vision to Cornelius, and then he's speaking directly to Peter while he is on a roof praying. The Lord can speak however he sees fit to do so, but we must be people of prayer if we want to hear from the Lord. Then Peter, verse 21 says, Then Peter went down to the men, who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Now, the risk of being redundant, I want to point something else out here. Peter did not sit on that roof waiting for the Lord to tell him what the guys at the doors wanted, at the door wanted. He got up by faith and he was obedient to what the Lord told him. Oftentimes, we can sit still asking too many questions, and we need too many details. But when the Lord has simply told us to go, remember, as Christians, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we are people that walk by faith, not by sight. We don't sit still by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 22 and 23 says, and then, or, and they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now, here we see a wall being broken down already in Peter's heart. According to the law, 
a Jew could not allow a Gentile into his house for any reason. But something different is beginning to happen in Peter. You know, we saw him say, no, not so, Lord. I'm not eating anything common or unclean. I won't do that, Lord. And then all of a sudden, now he's lodging these Gentiles. Let's read on. Verse 24, and the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius is excited. And whatever it is that the Lord wants him to hear through Peter, he wants his friends and relatives to hear it too. So Cornelius gathers friends and relatives together. Verse 25 says, As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped, worshiped him, saying, or excuse me, worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I myself am also a man. I love this humility that Peter shows here. No one needs to bow down in any way, shape, or form to men. Peter was just a man on the earth used by God, no different from you and I. He'd probably freak out if, if he knew we're calling him Saint Peter or we're praying to him in some way, shape, or form or whatever. He tells these, he tells these men who bow down before him, hey, stand up. I'm just a man. Cornelius should not have bowed to him and no one on the earth today should pray to him. He's just the man. He was just a man used by God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. So they're all gathering there. It's like a, a home fellowship, you know? Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So Peter understands the vision. He gets it. He is choosing to drop his prejudice and obey the Lord above all else. We should not call any man common or unclean. All can come to salvation in Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus, we have been washed white as snow, and we need to understand that the Lord does not see us as common. We are precious in his sight. Verse 29, Therefore I came without objection, objection as soon as I was sent for. I ask then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Peter does, still doesn't know the reason why he's there. Verse 30, so Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. So there we get a little better picture of the angel that appeared to Cornelius. He was wearing bright clothing, right? Verse 31, and Cornelius goes on, he says, And said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. 
Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Another glimpse here into the fact that Peter's heart has changed. God loves everyone and desires that all would come to Jesus. But in every nation, verse 35, it says, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. I love that little caveat uh, Peter puts in there. Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Now, here again, as with previous chapters we've studied, Peter is laying the blame for the death of the Christ on the Jews, But crucifixion was not the method of execution that the Jews used. The Jews used stoning as their method of execution. It was the Romans that used crucifixion for executing people. The Jews rejected Christ and still do to this day in many in in a lot of cases, but many Gentiles reject him too. But here we see Peter is preaching to a house full of Gentiles, and they are going to receive Jesus. Verse 40, Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Notice the word there, whoever. Jesus is the only name by which anyone can obtain salvation. Jesus offered salvation for all, anyone, whosoever, believes can come to Jesus Christ. He is the one ordained by God to judge the living and the dead. Okay, Someday, and we'll study that at a later time, but there is a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And someday we'll all stand before Jesus. We'll have left our earthly bodies And we'll be standing before Jesus. And we're going to hear one of a couple of things. Well done. Enter in. Or depart from me. I never knew you. Pretty serious. Let's go on. 
Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Wow, that's the power of the word of God. While Peter spoke the words that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Jesus will receive the remission of sins, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Remember back in verse 6, where the angel told Cornelius that he needed to send for Peter and Peter would tell him what he needed to do next? Well, now Cornelius knows that even though he was a devout and a generous man, he was a man of prayer, his prayers were heard, he saw a vision from the Lord, but he couldn't be saved apart from Jesus. He needed Jesus. Why didn't the angel tell Cornelius this directly? Why did he have to go get Peter? Because God doesn't use angels to preach the gospel. He uses men and women that are followers of him. How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. We need, it is our responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ to take his name to the world and let them know that no matter how religious they are, no matter how bad they are, no matter what sin they've committed, forgiveness is in Jesus Christ and they need to know him. So if they've done great things, good things, they, they feed the poor and they, they do all these other kind of great things, they still need Jesus because there is no other name given under heaven whereby we can be saved. It's through Jesus Christ alone. Look at verse 45. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So there was this group of Jews that traveled to Joppa with Peter, and they were amazed at what they've seen. The Holy Spirit coming upon Gentiles? You see, God is not a respecter of persons, the Bible says. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone. Can, can and everyone must come to Jesus to receive salvation. The religious and the rebellious, they must both bow their knee to Jesus before gaining access to heaven and receiving eternal life. Look at verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So here again, we see that after the Holy Spirit fell upon them, that they spoke with tongues and magnified God. And we studied that, that, you know, when we studied the gifts of the Holy Spirit back a few podcasts ago, that when someone speaks in tongues, they're speaking to God and not to men. And they're speaking mysteries that only God can understand. You can go back and read that again if you'd like. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But these Gentiles here believed in Jesus and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were baptized sometime after that. So think about that. They believed in Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later they were baptized. Okay, so they're already saved. So there's proof for you right there 
that baptism is not necessary for salvation? That's an age-old question that floats around Christianity. Some say, you're not baptized, you're not saved. Well, these people believed in Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they were baptized. So, as we've gone through the book of Acts thus far, we've seen that Jews and Gentiles have believed in the Lord and have received the Holy Spirit. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to reach out to those that do not know Jesus. They can be of any race. They can be from any walk of life. They can be religious like Cornelius, or they can be the non-religious. Religion has nothing to do with salvation. Cornelius was as devout as you can be, but he needed Jesus. And as the body of Christ, we need to be careful that we do not um, present to the world that our church is their salvation. If they come to our church, if they, if they come and they, they fellowship where we are, then they can receive salvation. You know, oftentimes I, I speak to people about Jesus Christ and, and uh, I'll ask them if they know the Lord. And they'll immediately say, well, I haven't been to church for a long time. And I'll immediately say, I'm not asking you about church. It's not about going to church. It's not about a building. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs to know. And here again, I, I, I often close these podcasts with this exhortation to those of you that have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. It's a personal relationship. You got to know him. There's no other name under heaven. There's no other way. No good works, no good deeds, no dropping money in the, the basket that passes by at church, you know, on Christmas and Easter or whatever it may be. It's a personal relationship that you must have with Jesus Christ. Study the word of God and you're going to find out. You're going to find that what I'm saying is the truth. But I also encourage you not to take what I'm saying ever. Study the word of God for yourself. Fall on your knees yourself. Cry out to God. Come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where you don't need a man to teach you because you walk being led and filled with the Holy Spirit yourself. Now we'll always gather together like this. And there's Fellowship is so important as believers in Jesus Christ. We need to, to be in the word of God. We need to have people around us that are sharing with us what the Lord's doing in their lives through the word of God. There are many people out there gifted to be teachers within the body of Christ, but you are gifted as well. Whether you're teaching through a podcast or whether you're standing in a pulpit teaching or you're not, you have a gifting, you have a calling that the Lord has given you. And don't underestimate that. Don't think that you have to stand in a church to, to preach or teach. Don't think that you have to be in a church uh, to lead Sunday school or whatever it may be. In your daily lives, there are plenty of opportunities out there for all of us to share the love of Christ. There's many people out there like Cornelius. There's many people out there that are religious like him, but they don't know Jesus. There's many people out there that aren't religious, 
And they don't want anything to do with religion, but they still need Jesus. So God bless. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. 